Okay, you guys, here we go. She Runs Ultras, episode number 127. And in this episode, we're going to talk to a recent Run Your First 50K alumni, a graduate of the program, Alicia Bach. She recently ran her first 50K, and let me tell you, she is badass. She went into this thing thinking it was going to be one way and come to find out it was a whole other. I don't want to give anything away, but you know, Alicia came from a road running background and really started to discover trail running as the result of moving and the pandemic. And I mean, it's just great. I love it. I had so much fun having this conversation with Alicia, and I know you guys are going to get a lot out of it, as you do with all of these conversations that we have from all of these variety of women who have decided to make a trail or an ultra their thing. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Alicia Bach. I'd like to have people start out by just, you know, telling us a little bit about who they are, how they got into ultra running, all the fun sort of like background stuff. All right. Well, my name is Alicia and I, uh, I grew up in Chicago and then I moved to North Carolina during the pandemic. So my start of running was probably when I was in college. I did it as a meditation and, um, relaxation from stress basically is how I ended up starting it. And it was never to be competitive, but for me, it was a way to just uh, center myself and reground myself. So um, I really enjoyed running by myself. I didn't necessarily like to run with groups. And um, I started out in Chicago running five K's, you know, just basically things like uh, Coleman race for the cure and things like that. You know, over time in my 20s and 30s, I did races, 5Ks, 10Ks, worked my way up to half marathons, and I also liked doing sprint triathlons. So what I was doing at the time was, you know, just the small neighborhood sprints in lakes and then the biking and the running, and I realized pretty quickly that swimming was not my strength and I didn't like it. So swimming was kind of off the table at that point, but I enjoyed watching Ironmans. I enjoyed watching endurance athletes. By the time I turned 40, I had this weird goal to actually run a marathon. That was the first time I'd actually thought about that. And the Chicago Marathon was um, calling my name. It was local. It was, it was a race that was you know relatively familiar to me, and I wanted to run it. So I picked up a training plan on the internet. I didn't really think about it too much. It had a way for me to tra- track my miles and progress my miles over time. So that's I did. Um, I didn't necessarily look at anything other than miles at that point, and I didn't know what the heck I was doing. So I had support from my friends and my partner, and I would run in the rural Wisconsin. I was living in Wisconsin at that time in Madison, and I would run on the rural roads, and my friend would bike next to me so that it was relatively safe, and I just put all the miles in. And the first time I ran that marathon, um, I didn't have a time goal. I didn't really know what I was shooting for, but I knew that I wanted to finish. So that's what I did. And i um, happy to report that I had a really good time. I mean, that's the I'd ever run a marathon. And then the next year, that was 2007. One thing I'll point out about that particular marathon was the one year that they actually stopped it in the middle of the race. because. Of it. So we actually had fatalities. We had a lot of people going to the hospitals. It was just an amazing nightmare. So um, they stopped it. At mile 22 is where I was. And they basically said, nope, you need to stop. You need to walk. You need to walk to the finish line. They even had fire department trucks sitting in the middle of the road, hosing people off. They had people, 
our friends were there trying to buy buy water and give it to people during the race because we actually couldn't there was no water left at the aid stations by the time the back of the packers got to the place and the only thing that saved me was actually having my own water on my pack and i also had pretzels and i had things for me so i never i never ran out of salt mm. so i was doing fine in the heat but i'm happy that they saved lives we ended up walking to the finish and I got a medal, but I didn't get a time. So I knew right away I needed to do another marathon just because I wanted to officially finish, right? So the next year I did Madison and it was great. And then fast forward to 2019, I wanted to do Chicago again because I wanted to actually get the finish. So I did the 2019 Chicago marathon. And, you know, by that time I was 10 years older than I was, you know, I was already 52. And I realized pretty quickly that these road marathons are killing me. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't like how I don't like how my knees feel. I'm very tired. I mean, at the end, I, I finished within the cutoff time, but I was walking a lot. So that was my experience with running. I still do it all the time, but I found when I didn't have a plan and I didn't have a goal, I didn't run. So for me, it's like very, very important to have a goal and a race set up. Otherwise, I just flounder. Yeah. I feel like that there's, it's funny because like at, at the time that we're recording this, we're sort of going through the application process for the next round of run your first 50 K. And there are so many women that are applying that are like, I just do better. It's like a recurring theme. And I, and this really resonates with me too. Like I just do better when I have a goal. Like it's one thing to be a runner and identify as a runner and, you know, run casually here or there. But I think for the most part on the whole, we all do better if we just, if we have a goal, even if it's like, you know, just a, a, a you know, a, a recurring 5k that we have on the books or a recurring, you know, marathon or whatever, just that thing that sort of is dangling out there in the distance. We just do better when we have something to aim for. It's funny. I actually also just did a, an Instagram story about this today because, um, someone asked, can I, can I, um, or do I have to have signed up for a race in order to participate in the program? Or could I just go through the program and follow the training plan and see how far I get? And my response to her was like, you need to do both. <laughs> like you need to pick a race and you need to go through the program. Do you use the training plan and see how far you can get? Like, this is how it works. Like if you don't pick something to aim for, then you're going to aimlessly <laughs> float about and you're never going to actually see how far you can get. So it's like, I really love that you brought up like, yeah, I have to have this goal because it, it keeps me moving forward, which, which is, I'm guessing how you eventually got to the point of, okay, these road marathons are killing me. I need something else. Like what else is out there? Yeah. Thank you for that. So, you know, by the time I moved here to North Carolina, I realized that, you know, I moved here for the weather. I moved here for the scenery and the environment and the outdoors activities and again, I tried the Raleigh Marathon and it killed me. So it's hilly here and the roads are, you know, it's tough. So I started looking, I was, I've been following ultra runners for a while on, on YouTube. And um, I think I was actually searching for podcasts is how I found yours. And I was listening to you talking about Tahoe 200 and I was very intrigued. And I was like, you know, there's trails around here. I moved to a location here in Chapel Hill that actually has single track trails around the neighborhood. There's a five mile track that I run on daily and it's not easy. It's rooty, rocky, hilly. Um, and coming from the Midwest, I mean, this is definitely a change for me. 
but I fell in love with it because it's my way of getting exercise, but also connecting with nature. So that's a huge thing for me. Um, it takes my meditation a step further. So then I'm sitting here listening to your podcast and talking about how you prepared for these ultras. And I'm watching all these other ultra runners and I'm thinking, you know, I want to try a trail race. So I tried a 10 mile trail race in my neighborhood and absolutely fell, fell in love with it. So then I thought, you know, I'm probably never going to run another road marathon again, but I sure would like to run a trail race. And then I started thinking, you know, and you hear this all the time, a 50K isn't that much farther than a marathon. Let's just do that. You know, I think I could do that for my 55th birthday. Let's do this. So I signed up for one in March of 2022, and I had to cancel it because my Achilles blew up. And my Achilles tweaked on me during a trail race. So I canceled that one. But then your uh, Instagram post came up about run your first 50K. And I thought, okay, I'm signing up for another one in December of this year. I just finished mm-hmm. it three weeks ago. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and spoiler alert. I'll get to that one, yeah. But, but I found you and your program, and you were just starting up uh, an application pro- pro- program for July, I think. And I thought, well, everybody keeps telling me, and you kept saying, make sure you sign up at least 20 weeks ahead of when your race is. So I'm like, okay, there's, there's serendipity happening here. There's something in the universe telling me, Hey, if you want to do this, you better do it right this time. I've never hired a coach. I've never done anything other than running plans on the internet. So I did two things differently this year to, to train for this. One was I signed up for a running group through my fleet feet store that does nothing but take you to different trails and helps you run in a group with your pace. And I've never liked running with people because I just feel like I'm always slowing people down. I'm always like, a, I'm a middle to the back of the packer generally. I'm not there to compete. I'm there to have a good race for me. So that helped me learn how to run with people and get get comfortable with that. And then finding you, I was so happy to find you because I did two things differently. One, I had a coach, three things, I guess. You helped me with strength training and mobility training, which I've never done before. And you didn't just, you know, say, hey, by the way, do strength training. You basically said, here are some things you can do. Here's how often you should do them. Here's how much you should do your mobility and when to mm-hmm. do it during the whole course of the 20 weeks. So it's like part of the buildup and the, and the slowdown. And then you also had the shakedown, which I hated at first. <laughs> and then I learned to love it. And I still do it, you know, a couple times a week. I'm not going to say I do it daily, but <laughs> it's, it's part of my morning routine. I guess that's what I would say, and you can ask more questions, but between the time I signed up to do your six-week course, meeting you and having your your helpful hints on everything from race day preparation to nutrition to practicing ahead of time with polls, all that stuff, and then meeting all these cool women from all over the world, including from New Zealand and and just having that support, totally a game changer. So when you, so like you had, you had already decided that you were going to do this race in December. Was it the same, like from the same race that you canceled in March or it was a completely separate race in a completely new, new spot? Yeah. Yeah. It was totally, it was a totally different race. It was, uh, the one that I was going to do was in Tennessee called the pistol, pistol ultra. This one was called the Unico Vagabond 50k in Charlotte, North Carolina. Both of them were loop courses. And the reason that I chose the loop course was because I thought, well, I'm not going to have a crew. I don't want to do my first 50k not knowing how to get from A to B and if I can handle it. 
So I thought, well, with the loop course, there's going to be aid stations. At least I know where the, the bathrooms and stuff are, and I know where to get my gear. So that's how I picked it. Yeah. Yeah. And was there a lot of elevation change in that one? Um, there was going to be. And this one, they said it was a gradual, there was a little bit of elevation on each loop that would basically sneak up on you over time. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> nice way of saying it's not flat. So um, I tried to get there ahead of time so that I could look at the course. Mm-hmm. But when I got there, um, they changed the course from the time that I saw that. So I never really knew what to expect. Sneaky. <laughs> so going into, so when, when you first got into the program, I want to sort of go all the way back at the beginning, because this is sort of where like a lot of people who are listening to this now might be as we sort of roll into 2023. Like, what were you most, when it came to, you know, thinking about running your first 50K, what were you most nervous or scared about just like on a, on the top level, like, Oh, I'm going to run this 50 K. What was the thing that sort of jumps out at you as making you the most nervous or scared? I think what I was most concerned with was the elevation gain and the fact that it was a trail ultra, which I had never really majorly done anything more than like a half marathon. And that's what scared me the most. So, um, not knowing for sure how I would do if I had to use poles, not no. You know, and actually not knowing for sure how I would do with nutrition for that long, because with a road marathon, I was generally using gels and things like that. And for this, I just wasn't sure since I was going to be out there most of the day, like, how would I, how would I do? So that was the hardest part. I think I had a trail half marathon built into my training and I did that one here. It was probably the most challenging trail. It was, it was the most challenging race I've ever done. Mm. Um, it was, it was harder than I expected. It was on mountain biking trails, very, very technical. And it was in an area of my own neighborhood that I didn't even know where it was. So I ended up learning how to fall and pick myself back up. I learned how to use poles. I used it as a training race, basically. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad I did because it took about an hour longer than I was planning. I came in last and I didn't care because I just wanted to be done yeah. and I just wanted to finish. And yeah. I had you in my ear the whole time. I think I told you, Megan's telling me power hiking is a superpower. Yep. (laughs) Um, I'm going to learn how to use poles. It was a really good practice. So, yeah. But to answer your question, that's what scared me the most was just the elevation. And how would I do after eight hours on my feet Mm -hmm. with hills? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's like, that's a really common, um, uh, something that's really common to be nervous or worried about. I mean, and we talked about this a lot in the group, like you just don't know until you get out there and do it, which is why I'm always encouraging people to pick smaller or shorter races, shorter, I should say, not necessarily smaller, but even smaller, you know, smaller in size to like the number of people. Like if you're going to a big race, um, it would be good to get some smaller races and shorter races under your belt before you show up there so that you have some experience, especially if you are coming fresh from the the road running world, which, you know, you, you kind of were, but you had some, a little bit of a trail experience before that. But like, if you're going from road to trail, the experience is going to be wildly different. So you, it would be good to get like a little bit of a taste ahead of time so that you, again, sort of know what you're getting into. And that's not to say it's going to be more, like, it's just going to be in my opinion, it's going to be a little more laid back. It's going to be a little more fun. It's going to be a little more welcoming and inviting. Um, you know, you're going to probably be a little nervous and worried and, uh, 
scared because it's your first experience, but knowing that you're sort of in that group of welcoming and accepting and very helpful people, I think goes, goes a long way. I don't know what your experience was when you sort of made that transition, but that was, that was my experience. So I will tell you that I absolutely love the whole, the whole community and the journey and fast forwarding a little bit to the actual race. So there were only maybe a hundred people total running between a 50 K hundred K and a hundred mile. So I had eight, eight laps to do because it was a four mile loop. And some of these people were running 25 laps overnight. And the cool part about it that I loved was it was an out and back loop. Part of it was prairie slash agricultural rolling hills. A part of it was like single track that went through the woods and it wound around and it went like up and down and all kinds of stuff. But the way they had the loop course, sometimes you would see people passing you, but sometimes they would come back towards you. And it was always, you know, all the people. So nobody really knew from behind whether you were running the 100K or the 100 mile. And I got to watch all these really cool, you know, obviously elite athletes running 100 miles and they were very supportive. Um, It was crappy weather that day. It was super cold. It was rainy. It got really muddy. We had a creek crossing that we had to cross eight times in my case. And by the time the end of the the day rolled around for me, I was like, how are these guys going to do this overnight? It's got to be horrible. But then, you know, I loved it. These guys come around behind me. They're the leaders of the 100 mile. And they're like, hey, how are you doing? I said, I'm good. And he said, define good. And I said, I said, okay, I'm, I'm not that good, but I'm going to finish. And he said, good for you. That's why you're out here. Keep going. And that, that meant the world to me because that's what I had heard. That's what you told me. That's what all these people told me. The trail community is, is different. And they have ramen noodle soup at the aid station. I mean, <laughs> how can you beat that? Quesadillas, bacon, hot dogs, all the stuff, you know? All the good stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's like you know, one of my favorite things when I'm in a race is to, you know, especially if you're alone for a while on the course is to encounter other groups of people and just take their temperature, so to speak, like that guy did for you and sort of see how you're doing. Cause you never know, you know, you never know if someone could use a little boost like that, or if they're really in a bad way and you could, you could maybe help them in some way, shape or form. Um, you know, even just by saying, Hey, looking good. Like a lot of times when people say that to me, I know it's a blatant lie, <laughs> but I'm okay with it. Cause I'm just like, okay, I'm not like, to your point, I'm not dead yet. Like I'm, I'm still upright and making progress. So it's all good. Like, you know, I, if they can recognize that, you know, that in me, then I'm good and I can, I can keep going. So <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I will say um, the last two laps, the last eight miles were horrible, not horrible, but they were, they were hard. Mm. And I think what surprised me was that my feet were killing me. I wasn't having a lot of blisters. I did have to change my socks again once or twice because it was, it was raining, but you know, I had a a tent set up with all my gear. I knew exactly where things were going to go. So as the laps kind of clicked off by the last two, I knew it was going to be, it was going to be tough. And, um, I kind of got adopted by some people and um, I adopted them back. So the last two laps I ended up running and walking with a woman and a guy. And um, she asked me, she's like, do you mind if we walk together? And I said, no, but then part of my head was, I don't want to slow you down. But what she kept saying was, no, we want to finish this together and I need your help. Mm -hmm. So I've never done that before, but it was really, really gratifying. And, you know, the guy was handing us his Skittles because he only had like one lap to go. And I'm like, well, that's awesome. You know, it's just these people are so cool. So I ended up running the last lap with or walking the last lap with this woman. And we were in the dark. We had our headlamps back on and everything. And we ended up talking. We ran into some people that were running past us on the mile 
course and he was pacing this other guy and it was just community, you know, camaraderie and community. Yeah, that's awesome. I think like everyone has their own experience out on the trails and it's, it's better if you can't, I've always found that it's better if you can, like you said, adopt people or have someone adopt you or hitch, hitch your train to somebody else's, you know, train and, you know, be the caboose for a little bit or pull somebody, so to speak for a little bit and like be that, that motivation for them. Because like you said, it's, it's really gratifying. Like it's not just about, I think it makes the the whole race experience better because again, it's, you're not so internally focused. You're a little bit more externally focused. You're maybe trying to help somebody else. Um, you're having experiences that keep you from constantly thinking, you know, whether you're in pain or you're tired or you just want to be over it. Like you're focused on something else, which helps to distract you and like, keep you, you know, keep you moving forward, keep you focused on something outside of maybe some of the struggle and the pain that you're going through. So we sort of jumped over like the whole training part and we went, we went to your race, but we'll we'll come back to the race. But I'm curious to know like how your training went. Um, Did you have, like, did it go pretty smoothly? Were there some ups and downs? How did that, how did that work out for you? Um, Let's see the training. I think I love the fact that you helped me put together like a customized training plan for me Mm. and that we would track not only what the planned miles were, but the actual miles. Mm -hmm. And then also kind of how I would fit in the other stuff, like the strength and the mobility. So overall, I think I was probably 80% effective on my training plan. (laughs) Not great, not, not perfect, but um, I think what I would have done differently doing it again, I would have probably put more time on trail and less time on road racing just to get miles in. Mm-hmm. Cause what I needed more practice in was just how am I going to feel when I'm on rolling Hills in the, in the woods all day, mm-hmm. you know, and roads, as much as I have Hills in my neighborhood, it's not the same cause it's easier to run on roads. So I think I would have probably spent more time on feet and not worried too much about the miles. Mm. Um, and I think I also would have probably practiced more with nutrition I I knew what I needed. I knew what I would be comfortable with eating, but after six or seven hours, you know, all that was off the table. And at that point I was just like, just give me something salty like broth. Cause I don't know what else I'm going to eat. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty common too. all of what you have just said. It's like, and I think the other thing that people have to remember too, is that you're never going to nail it a hundred percent your first time around. And one of the things we do talk about in the program is like, trying to aim for a hundred percent compliance, so to speak, like getting every single workout checked off, um, is unrealistic because, you know, life happens and you, you're not a paid athlete. Like this isn't your full-time job. So, you know, we put, we put a decent amount of work on the plan fully knowing that you're not going to get all of it done, but there might be days where, yeah, you've got a little extra time and you want to experiment or whatever. So, hitting 80%, I think is a win in, in my book. And then having the ability to test out all those different things ahead of time really helps, but you, you don't know what you don't know. So of course, like first time around, you know, these are some of the things that you can now use as you go forward. It's like, oh yeah, I would definitely spend more time on my feed and I would have different, uh, nutrition options and I would practice with more stuff. Like this is how, you know, we sort of like stack one on top of the other. And then this is how you get to the place where you're like, oh yeah, like I, I can do this. And I've got, you know, I've got half of it figured out. And now I'm just going to work on this other half of stuff that I don't know. And then 
when I get that figured out, something new will happen and then I'll work on that. So it's just sort of this ever evolving, ever changing game. And it largely depends on the race and the location that you're going to as well. Like you, you know, no two, no two road races are the same, but there are fewer variables that happen in a road race than there are in a trail race. Water crossings, definitely not happening in a, in a road marathon. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, that was fun because they basically said, well, if you're going to cross on the rocks, make sure that you know how slippery they are. But then over time, after all the rain happened, it kept getting harder and harder to use the rocks anyway, because it was getting, you know, higher. Um, I think the one thing that I was not expecting I had this idea in my mind that it would take me about eight hours, eight and a half hours. It was a good goal, you know, 15 minute miles. I thought I could easily do that. And then when I ran the half marathon and it was doing about four hours, I thought, okay, well, let's do nine hours. So whatever. But the last four, the last two laps, my hamstring kept seizing up every time I tried to run and it basically just wasn't having it. So by the time the last lap came around, I knew I had to walk the whole thing. There was no question. So am I disappointed in my time? Yes and no, because I didn't really have a time goal. I mean, I knew I didn't want to be out there for as long as I was, but this is really good for me to know, like, what would I do better next time to keep those cramps from happening? So these are all things that I could probably manage with electrolytes. I was using Tailwind. I was using um, peanut butter pretzels, Ritz cheese crackers, things that I knew that I could tolerate. But no, the the hamstring cramps actually kind of surprised me a Mm. little bit. Mm. And that's just sort of goes back to what we were talking about, about variables. You know, there, there are just so many more variables that happen during an ultra that you won't know until you actually go out there and try it. And, and learning in real time too, is also one of those things that I think, again, sort of flipping back to the road running side of things, you largely have most of your stuff, quote unquote, stuff figured out before you show up on race day. And that would be the ideal situation for a trail race, but weather and all these other things like gear and the terrain and ups and downs and all these other things, you you just have to sort of be okay with a little bit of controlled chaos, right? Like you're not going to be able to manage every single factor. There's going to be some things that pop up that are unexpected. And so, you know, one of the things I'm always trying to get people to understand is that like you, and this is coming from somebody who's very type A, like I very much like to have all my ducks in a row and understand what the plan is for the day and how things are going to go. And I think very quickly in, in my first 50 K I learned like, Oh yeah, that's not how we roll here. (laughs) It's not, that is not how things play out. And the, the quicker you can sort of wrap your brain around that and understand like, okay, I'm going to be sort of to your point, I'm going to be 80% prepared for this race and be okay with 20% chaos and learning on the fly. I think that's a a better slash more realistic way to train and go think about going into your first race. I love that. And actually, I have to say that I prefer the controlled unknown chaos of trail running versus road racing any day of the week. So I found my tribe and I found where I love to be. So this won't be my last one. I know that for a fact. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a pretty, I think, I think if you can 
get right with sort of what we're talking about here in terms of like 80% plan, 20% uncontrollable chaos. If you can accept that and be okay with that, then trail running is for you. If you cannot, you know, then it's probably not the place for you. And that's, that's no, that's no knock on anybody, but like there's certain people are wired for that and certain people aren't wired for that. And so, you know, while I am on a mission to try and convince as many women as possible to do this, I fully recognize that it's not for everybody, but I do think that it is worth the time and effort to at least figure that out right? Like at least go through the process and it doesn't have to be a 50 K. I think obviously it would, it's best to start off with, you know, like your trail, 5 K 10 K half marathon. There's lots of those that are available to you too. You don't have to, um, make the big leap to go right from road marathon to trail 50 K. Like you could do some of the shorter distances to sort of get your feet wet, so to speak. But yeah, I mean, it's like 99.999% of the people that come into trail running, love it strictly for like all the reasons that we were just talking about. Yeah. So, okay. So you go through all your training, you learn all your lessons, most of the lessons ahead of time. Was there anything that you like, I mean, like the water crossing, did you practice water crossings ahead of time? Never. Nope. In fact, to be honest, until like a week before the race, when we got the race director email was the first time I knew there was one. (laughs) So we didn't even really, we didn't even really know. And, um, we were predicting good weather. And then two days before it turned out to be rainy. So the course ended up like I said, being a mud bath at the end and it was hard to keep your footing and all that stuff. So there's certain things that you just, like you said, I couldn't prepare for, but I just remembered what some of the other, other ultra runners say that I follow. And I think you said it too, like, just be prepared to manage through and mitigate everything that happens and just know that it's going to happen. And just as long as I can figure out how to deal with it and keep moving forward, keep moving forward. So my nickname when I was in New Zealand and Patagonia doing hiking, which I forgot to even mention, it's not important, but. Yes, it is. I think at some point you should go back and talk about it because it, it is cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm on these like point to point hikes and it's like week long hikes, 40 miles or whatever it is. And I'm with this awesome group of people. I never quit, but I'm not fast. So basically they named me Tortuga, which means turtle. And they said, oh, there's Tortuga. She's coming around the corner. She's coming up the hill. She's good. So I'm just one of those people that's known for basically persevering, moving forward and never quitting, even if I'm not the fastest one out there. And I love that because that's me. So for what it's worth, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just fun. And that's very fitting for ultras too. I think like if you have that type of mentality, you're going to do better, have more success, however you define that in ultras, because if you give up at the first sign of adversity, it's definitely not for you because like we talked about it won't just be one thing it won't just be that it's raining it might be that it's raining and then the rain gets worse and then you know you slip on the mud and then like you get all dirty and you don't have a change of clothes or whatever it is like it's not just going to be one thing and if you can't get past that one thing that first thing and it it keeps weighing on you and dragging you down, then everything else that happens after that is just going to make you subsequently, quote unquote, like heavier and heavier and heavier. So that'll be so difficult for you to keep moving forward. So <laughs> I think like if, if you could adopt a frame of mind, um, it would, it would sort of be in that, in that same vein of like, okay, it's going to happen. I, I, there's only so much I can control and the rest of it, I just have to learn how to adapt and overcome. Yeah. 
adapt and overcome. And I kept having you in my, my head saying, just keep moving forward. Because by the time I got to mile 29, I was like, I am done. I just don't want to be out here anymore. I'm cold. I'm wet. I've already changed my clothes a few times. I had to go from shorts back to a jacket. You know, the whole thing was just so unknown because we started. It was cold, then it got warm, then it got cold again over the course of the day. And all I kept hearing was just keep moving forward, just finish this race. And that's all I wanted to do at that point was finish. So was it exactly how I thought it would be or wanted it to be? No, but I am so happy. <laughs> so <laughs> so I'm curious because like I feel as though everybody gets to a point. I think like Sarah and I talked about this. Judy and I talked about this in our in our podcast episodes. What when you got to that point where you were like, okay, this can be done now. Like, <laughs> you, but you have more more miles to go. Was there something that you like aside from sort of like hearing my crazy little voice in your head, like, was there something else that you told yourself? Like, how did you work from twenty nine mile 29 all the way through to the finish? Yeah. So I think for me, first of all, when they said it was a 50K, I figured 32 miles was, you know, eight laps. It turned out to be like 34. So they, <laughs> they round down. It's kind of like when they say with Patagonia, Patagonia is not flat. So they call it Patagonia flat, which is like up and down rolling hills. So I'm understanding in the ultra community that they round down a lot. So 100 miles turned out to be like 105 for these guys or whatever. So what what I finally told myself was, wow, okay, Alicia, you've been out here for so many hours. You know you're not going to quit. And by the way, look at all these people out here that are crazier than you running 100. You're going to be done and back in your bed, and they're still going to be running all night long in the mud. So that kept me going. And then, like I said, having that other group of people I was walking with, really helped because we just ended up talking. So the last, the last uh, lap, by the time we were almost ready to be at the finish line, I let her run ahead. She came in like a little bit ahead of me. Cause it was, I was like, please go run, you know, whatever. And I tried to run the last half mile and I managed to run, run it in while like waddle it in or whatever. And, um, what got me going was knowing that I was going to finish and the race director, I have to give him props cause he's amazing. He was out there for 30 hours or whatever, giving fist bumps and high fives to everybody on every lap, checking everybody in. And he was just so supportive. And I knew I was going to see them at the finish. And um, my friend was at the finish too. And I didn't want to let anybody down. And it, it was just, I knew I wanted to finish. So there was no question. I think that is a big one. Like there is a certain point at which you do want to just be done, but you've come so far that you're unwilling to stop and give up and DNF because you, you look behind you, you know, in your either physically or like in your mind. And you're like, I've already put in so much work. Like I cannot just stop here. You know, the bulk of the miles are behind you. You've already completed the bulk of the miles. Why not just keep moving, you know, and like keep moving forwards. <laughs> That's a good point because when I looked at that, not only had I been running and training for 20 weeks, I counted all the miles that I did. I did over 520 miles. That's awesome. For this. And I, th and I thought, you know, if, if I did 520 miles, I can do another six. Like, yeah. what's the big deal? Just keep moving. And uh, and then I thought about you doing your 200 miles. And I was like, that's, in that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is insane. It is insane. But you, in that race too, you just start, you get to a certain point and you're just like, oh, I can't stop now. Like, you know, you've, I've already come this far. I can't stop now. I'm not in, in a bad way, meaning like I'm still capable of moving forward. So there's really, I have no real reason why I can't other than this thing between my ears feeding me, like doing its 
doing its job, right? Its primitive job, which is to keep you safe, right? You're, you're, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. We're, we're overriding the brain's natural function, which is to keep you safe, right? And so every time we step beyond that or think beyond that, we're going to get a lot of feedback from our, from our primitive brains to say, do you really want to do this? Like, this is not a good idea. This is not safe. Like, not only are we getting that feedback from our brains, we might even be getting that feedback from other people around us. I don't know. We didn't really touch on it, but like, um, I don't know if you had people in your life that were supportive or did you have people that were like, ah, this is a little crazy. So interesting story. All the runners that I am friends with were like, you go, you go get this. And all the other people that aren't runners are like, why are you doing that? Like, it doesn't even make sense. Like, why would you do that? So it's just really funny to know, like, there's two camps in the world. One is go for it, do an ultra. And the other camp is why? Hmm. Why would you run that far? Hmm. Why would you be out there for that long? And I'm like, I can't even explain it to you. I can explain it to me. I know exactly why I did it. Yeah. Well, I think like one of the things, um, one of the things I was talking to Adam, my husband, Adam, about this the other day is just about like how over the course of an ultra, whether it's your first 50 K or whether you're crazy enough to run 200 miles, there's this cool thing that sort of happens. And I don't know if you had this experience too, but I've had it multiple times where during the course of a race, you actually, it feels as though you experience years worth of stuff in that compressed amount of time. And it's very, it's interesting to me as a sociologist, right? Like that's what my, technically what my college degree is in. So like, it's interesting to me from a sociological perspective, but it's also interesting to me as a human being that you could put yourself in a situation like this and do this physical task, so to speak, but then also get the added benefit of, I don't want to say fast forwarding because you're not really fast forwarding, but like you're learning all these lessons in real time. And it's like, what would have taken you, I don't know, let's say like five years to learn all these lessons. You're learning it in like five, six, 10, 12 hours. Right. And so like you walk away from every, you know, these races and you're like, Oh, like, you know, you see things differently. You sort of have a better understanding of things. You, you conduct yourself differently because you have a different perspective on stuff. I don't know. Was that like, was that your experience? Yeah. So I had heard a lot of that. Every time I listened to a podcast or or watched some ultra runners, they would always say, you're going to go through highs, you're going to go through lows, just expect it. So I kind of wanted to feel that I wanted to know what that would feel like and know how I would respond to it. Because I think like I told you in the beginning, I've never been a fast runner. So for me to run a half marathon or a marathon in a road race, I always would come back in the back third of the pack. And that never made me feel good. But at the same time, like in a trail race, the goal isn't necessarily to hit a certain time, it's to finish in most cases. So I wanted to know how I would respond once I went through the low points when my mind was basically telling me, you can't go forward, you're going to have to quit. And I wanted to be able to say, shut, shut up, you know, and just keep moving forward because I'm, I know I'm going to finish. I know that if I make a goal, I will do it. But I didn't know that I would, I didn't know that I would finish a 50K. I wasn't sure, you know, I, I knew that I would try but yeah, I mean, I had a lot of those low points and high points and, and self-doubt. It was an amazing experience just for that reason. Like I got to know myself and I got to know how I would react to things. 
so yeah. And it does make me want to do a 50 miler. <laughs> I'm just going to say. <laughs> we have it on record um, now. <laughs> it's my goal to corner each of you and get you to commit on air to <laughs> No, it's not, but it does typically happen. I get you guys on the podcast and then you commit to another race, which is cool. Cause like, I do think they sort of have this addictive quality in a good way because, you know, now it sets you up to go through another training cycle where you're going to put in more miles and you're going to learn more things and you're going to face more challenges and you're going to learn more stuff about you and how you handle things and how to overcome them and how not to worry about silly little stuff and where to place your attention and what to focus on and just like all these cool things. And, and sometimes it's hard to adequately describe that to people when they're not already bought in on the idea of running an ultra. And so, you know, for some people, when they hear about this crazy sport of, of running ultras, they're sort of like, oh, to your point, like you said before, the, the, the second camp of people that are like, why would you do that? It's sort of like, you can't adequately articulate how, much it's going to improve your quality of life until they just say they they succumb and they're like okay I'll do it and then they start to go through the process and like see all of the things um but that's one thing that I wish people would understand it's just like it's not just about running the race like you get so much more out of it than hey I got I don't know like a t-shirt or a medal or a belt buckle or whatever the thing is right like you get all these other intangible benefits from having done this really cool hard thing I think what I'll take away from this particular one is I I know that you said you'll never forget your first 50k life-changing experience um the medal was great the hoodie was amazing but quite honestly the best thing was the community I made really good friends that day and it's not just in passing like we're going to see each other again probably run another race so that's amazing and I think for me like the next goal would be um, other than improving my nutrition and making sure that I don't cramp is also, I want to do a point to point. Now I want to do one where I'm actually running at night. I want to try what the next phase is and that I want to continue learning and continue growing and, and keep doing this. So yeah, I'm hooked. I don't know if you expected that when you met me for that course, that <laughs> I would be one of those people that was instantly hooked or whatever, but. I think that there are some people that come into this that, you know, it's one and done and that's fine. Like they, they want the challenge. They're willing to go through the cycle once and do it and sort of like, it's kind of like a bucket list, you know, check it off their list. And now they're going to move on to something else. And then there are others that come into it that, uh, I, I can sort of tell now having like gone through this with quite a few people, I can sort of tell right away. And it's interesting. Like I can, I'm almost getting to the point now where I can tell based on people's application to the program, like how they're, they're going to do, like whether this is, you know, really going to, really going to happen for them. A lot of it is just by the way you talk about it in your application. Like, do you take the time to actually answer the questions or do you give me one word answers? Like if you can't give me more than yes. And like the questions are specifically 
written so that you you shouldn't give me one word answers, but of course people do. And I'm like, if you can't answer this question, I guarantee you, you don't have what it takes to put in the ultra training, like, and, or you just don't think it's important enough, or you just don't have the time at which point, like we have to have a conversation about how you spend your time. But like, it's, I'm just, I am sort of getting to the point where I can accurately predict like how this is going to go. And yeah, like once, once I learned about, um, you know, when I read your application and when I learned about all of your, your hiking experience in Patagonia, like I was like, oh yeah, she's, she's in, she's, <laughs> she's in hook, line and sinker. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. Yeah. yeah Sold. Guilty as charged for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I wanted to point out too, is something that you said um, that that's different from the road running stuff, which is, you know, in road running, you progress up in distance, right? Like, and maybe you like 5Ks and you want to get super fast at 5Ks. I'm not knocking any of it. I'm just, what I'm going to point out here is that with trail running, you can also go at different distances, but then there are different components that you can also get really into, like uh, looped courses. You could do a, a backyard, which is basically every hour on the hour you set out on a on a loop and you must complete that loop within the hour. You could do night races. You could do like 200 milers. You could do point to point. Like there's all these different other aspects of trail running that you, you're not just relegated to, Oh, go, go out on the roads and run until you, as fast as you can, until you hit the finish line. There are other ways that you can expand and, um, you know, experience new things that have nothing to do with pace or, you know, finishing times. Like, you know, you could do a timed race where you just see how far you run in a certain amount of time. Like there's just all these different cool ways that you can engage and interact with trail running that aren't necessarily available to you in road running. Very true. Very true. Yeah. And they're all intriguing. I mean, I love watching the backyard ultras. I love watching I love watching the Barkley marathons. I love all that crazy stuff. So not that I would do all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I would do them. But. <laughs> it was so funny when you sent me the text about, hey, have you seen this Barkley um, documentary? I'm like, like a million times. <laughs> I have it on repeat. I, I watch it on repeat. <laughs> I think I watched it. Um, I'll probably, I probably have watched it like a million times, but I think I watched it on YouTube, like when it first came out. And that was, that was like a long time ago before, I think even before Laz started doing BFC, like, and I was like, oh man, you know, I, there's no way that I'd be able to do actual Barkley. So when I found out about BFC, I was like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> that's like a mini, a mini Barkley. So yeah, of course I'm, I'm down to try that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's races that, um, there's races where you don't get the course until you show up, like, you know, like different, that's, that's another element of trail running that you're definitely not going to find in a road race. Right. So there's all these sorts of new and interesting ways that you can challenge yourself for sure. No, thank you for giving me the time to, to debrief with you. This has been fun. Yeah, no, I mean, I think like, you know, like, like I've said, when I talked to Judy and Lindsay and Sarah, like, I think the more conversations that we had, and Shannon, like, the more conversations that we have, um, I think it's the, the better it's going to get for everybody, because they everyone who's listening can hear like, oh, it's not just young people, you know, that 
come from road running that are super fast that then transition into trails that have a lot of success and longevity and enjoyment out of it. It's people that, you know, it's funny because like Judy was into tries too. I did tries back in the day. Like it's interesting how we sort of jump around, but in a good way, trying to experiment with all these different things before we land on the thing that we like. And so that's why I'm always telling people, if you're not sure that you're going to like it, what's the harm in trying, right? Like what's the harm in going through the effort of, of training and trying and what's the worst that happens? You make it through the training and then you just decide you don't want to do the race. Like that's fine too. The interesting parts of watching people transition from road to trail is that the definition of success is I must finish this race. I must be fast. I must be first. I must win my age group, all this stuff. Whereas the definition of success in trail running is very individual and very subjective to whatever you want. It has nothing to do like, you know, I even tell you guys in the group, like I don't have any predisposed ideas about what my goals for you guys are. I mean, ultimately my goal is to, for you to finish a 50 K and I'm going to do, I'm going to bend over backwards to help you do it. But like, you guys have to actually go through the exercise of figuring out like, okay, what's the race I want to do? What's a realistic goal? How can I work myself there? It's like, okay, is that your, is that your goal? Great. I might challenge you. And you know me, like I won't just accept finishing as your goal. Like we need to sort of whittle it down from there, but yeah, finishing is the ultimate goal because that will prove that you put in all the work and you showed up and you did all the things, right? Like that's what I think is super important about having a goal, um, as you sort of move from road to trail into ultras and and not just letting it be, ah, like, I don't know, maybe like, you know, engage with it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember when we were first talking and you said you need to have not just a big, hairy, audacious BHAG goal, but you need a smart goal, you know, something that's measurable, something that has specific, you know, and you can you can work against it. And I remember thinking, okay, I have a, I have a race. And then you kind of helped me figure out what would be a realistic time goal. Not that I needed to finish in that, but just kind of to know what I was shooting for. So I knew kind of what my pace, what I would say is, I forgot to factor in all the times that we would actually be um, doing other things during the race for an ultra that you don't think about during a road race, which is changing your socks, going to the bathroom, eating, you know, whatever it would be. And all that time, even though it was a loop course, you know, I took time on every loop to, you know, recenter and reset, um, you know, that adds up in a hurry. So would I do things differently next time? Probably, you know, I would probably be more conscious of the fact that all that time not running is still part of the time. <laughs> so <laughs> and you'd get more efficient at it, right? Like you have to have, you have to take a stab at it first to learn those lessons. And I think, you know, it's, it's just all a learning experience and, and there's no, that's why I feel like this whole thing is sort of like a, a never ending continuum. Like you can take it, you can drop off at any time, but you can, be constantly learning. Like there's stuff, you know, that I'm still learning at the 200 mile like distance, right? Like I don't have it all figured out for sure. Like there, there are lots of, there are a lot of things that I learned during Tahoe that I would like definitely would change. And so it's, it's not like you get to a certain spot and you're like, like, that's it. I'm done. Like I have this whole thing figured out. Like it's no, you, it's a, it's a constant evolution, which I think is cool. I think it's cool too. And actually I have to say, I've had so much fun listening to all the other podcasts like Judy and Lindsay and, and Shannon and all those guys, because you're right. Nobody had the same experience. Everybody has different nuances and things. And there were definitely things in every podcast that I could relate to. even though It wasn't all my experience. Like I was fascinated by the fact that it's different for everybody and they all have their own reasons for doing it. So that's what I love. And that's how I think 
what I liked about your program was that you were able to give people space to figure out where they wanted to go, but you gave them a good framework to get there. So that was perfect. I thought. Thank you for that. Yeah. That, that was always my, my goal is just, just like, because I know when I was doing mine at first, I didn't have anybody. So it was like the space seemed infinite and I didn't know which direction to go in. Nobody was there to rein me in. I did a lot of Googling. Like I just, I didn't know what I didn't know. And so I felt like I had to follow things further down the hole longer than I probably would have if somebody else were there to sort of ask me a calculated question to be like, is this, do you think this, like, is this going to serve you? Like, what do you think? And so that's sort of what I wanted to do is try and bring some constraint to it, like give you a framework, give you some guardrails, so to speak, like let you go off and, you know, do all sorts of fun stuff, but then be like, create this container for you guys to come back to and then ask questions and bounce ideas and get help so that you didn't, you know, go off into infinity and beyond and like, you know, get lost on a, on a tangent somewhere and then completely derail your training. Like I felt like I was doing back in the day. So I'm glad to hear that <laughs> that you've that you felt the way that I am trying to convey it. So that's good to know. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I can I can appreciate the fact that depending on the length of the race that you're looking for and what types of challenges you have, there's a total difference in training for Tahoe two hundred, I'm assuming, than even a one hundred. So I mean just so much to do. Here's what I will say about this. Once you sort of I'm going to use the term master, but I'm going to use it loosely, right? Once you master the 50K distance for you, it just becomes about extrapolating the stuff out and then understanding a lot of what we've talked about here. So time on feet, uh, your body's response to time on feet, like nutrition and hydration and tiredness and your mental skills. It isn't that there is necessarily more, you just actually have to dig in deeper and sort of really, again, master and like hone in on those elements that are your, your weak points, but also like understanding your strengths too, and not relying too heavily on those, you know, like a strength for me is I also don't quit. So like my crew had instructions that like, unless I was missing a limb or like about to bleed out, like they were not allowed to let me quit. Right. And so that could, that could also be a weakness, right? So you sort of have to keep those things in check. And so again, if you want to go to 50 miles, my suggestion would be do that SWOT analysis, right? Like write out your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and then like have a really good look at it and be like, okay, where, what do I think based on my 50K experience? And then it would also be helpful to know which, which 50 miler you were going to do to help, you know, elevation and time and logistics and all those things. But then just like have a real clean look at your 50K experience and sort of transpose it over a potential 50 mile experience and be like, okay, what are the things that maybe went wrong or didn't go the way I thought they were going to go at the 50K distance? How can I improve upon those at the 50 mile distance in anticipation of 50 miles so that those things are less, um, 
they're not in the in the chaos bucket. They're in the more controlled bucket, right? Like, and that's how you just keep working. I mean, that's how I worked myself to 200 miles. And then there were lots of things that came up during 200 miles that I, you know, you don't know that you don't know, and you have to adapt on the fly. <laughs> it's never, you never get it all figured out. So if you can just release yourself from the need to do that, things will be much easier. I love that. Adapt on the fly. That could be your motto. That could be your, mm-hmm. your tagline. I think everybody should adapt on the fly. Like that was, that was not one of the hardest things for me to learn. Like going back to the beginning of the conversation, like being someone who's type A, I was like, what do you mean this is not happening right now? Like it's on the schedule. Like this is the way it's supposed to work. And the quicker you can move beyond that and be like, okay, this is the current circumstance, right? Like how do we move through the current circumstance to like keep moving forwards? And you don't, you also don't have to figure out the perfect answer to whatever the thing is, because something else is going to happen five, 10, 15, 20 minutes or miles down the road. And you can't anticipate how it's sort of like, a, um, it's sort of like a choose your own adventure book. Like you make the choice here and then that's going to set you on a trajectory. And then you make a choice over here at this next spot. And then it sends you off on another trajectory. There's no one right, like eventually you're going to get to the finish, the end of the book or the story or the race. But like, there's no, like, again, to your point, like, even though you guys all went through the run your first 50K program, you all ran 50Ks. Every single one of you took a different path from start to finish. So that's my new analogy for that. <laughs> I like that. Choose your own ending. Choose mm-hmm. your own book. I love that. Yeah. Choose That's your good. own adventure. All right. Yeah. Well, you know that I ask everybody who comes on the podcast uh, if they have any words of advice or thoughts or anything that they want to share with someone that might be listening to this and like maybe they're on the fence, they're contemplating. They in Judy's like like in Judy's case, she had that page open for her race for months, waiting to hit the sign up button. Maybe there's somebody out there that's doing the same thing. What would you what would you say to someone who's thinking about it? Man, I'm just for me, I know that it was kind of serendipity to actually have things happen in the order that they did. And I knew I had been toying with the idea in the back of my mind for years, probably. So I think the best advice I would have is if you have an inkling to do this and, you know, they're aware of your program, I would say go for it. Because like you said earlier, what's the worst that can happen? You know, I hired a coach for the very first time in my life. I learned about strength and mobility. What's wrong with that? Like that's going to go farther than anything. So there's no harm in trying. Um, I would just say go for it. I would say go for not only in going into the program, but also doing an ultra, doing your first 50K, right? And like, if you don't get into the program or you don't choose to do the program, that's also fine too. Like there are lots of people out there that can train for this, you know, can sort of bootstrap it on their, on their own. And that's, that's great too. Like if you're the kind of person that wants to sort of go it on your own, I'm not trying to talk anybody, uh, strong arm anybody into the program. I just think, everybody, again, like going back to my original sort of mission statement, like I'm trying to get more women to, to do ultras. So the more that they can hear about all of these different experiences, right? Like everybody goes through it differently. No two people have the same experience, but I do think that once they come out the other side, having finished it, um, you guys all have very similar feelings, not only about 
the race, how it changed you. But I, I can see in all of you guys that you are much more, um, like centered, you're more self-confident, you aren't as apprehensive about challenges anymore. Uh, I mean, of course, you know, if I were to say to you, Hey, your next challenge is to run a hundred miles. Like you would be like, Hmm, okay, well, but you would figure it out, right? Like I, I know that that's one of the qualities that ultras produce in people is that they give you that sense of confidence and this sort of internal knowing that, okay, whatever challenge is thrown at you, like you're, you're going to figure out how to handle it. I think that's true. And I guess I would also say to your point, if we're talking about the bigger picture, um, just from the standpoint of these ultras, they're beer, they're so focused on community and they're so focused on making sure people don't get left behind. I mean, I never would have had that opportunity if I hadn't taken this on. I never, I mean, I, I had heard of it, but I didn't know about it. And it's different seeing it versus actually living it. So it was definitely worth it for me just for that reason. And then the other thing would be back in the day before I ran a marathon, I didn't know that I could back in the day I wanted to do it until, and like you said, when you get over the finish line, then you know, you can, right? So now the 50 K I did it. Now, can I do a 50 miler? I don't know. Maybe I will. Can I do a hundred? I don't know. Maybe I will. So it's just like a stepping stone, but I absolutely love it. So I wouldn't have known how much I loved it unless I tried it. So I definitely agree with you. Like, just do it. Just go for it. If you have an inkling, if you have like a desire to try it, just go for it. Okay, well, I hope that you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. If you're listening to this in real time, the current round of the live coaching group four, run your first 50K, is actually closed. But the DIY program is coming soon. DIY meaning you'll be able to go through this program, do it yourself anytime you like. So stay tuned for that. But if you're interested in being around more ultra running women, then I want to invite you to come and join my private Facebook group, aptly named Run Your First 50K. So if you are over on Facebook, just to search up in that top search header bar for Run Your First 50K under groups, you'll just request to join, answer a couple quick questions so we know how to help you, and then you're in. We're having a lot of really great productive conversations over there about just how to tackle whether it's your first 50k or a specific aspect of your 50k just like we talked about with Alicia in this podcast there are so many different facets of ultra running that we could sort of geek out on and this is the place to do it so I hope to see all of you guys over there. That's where I hang out when I am not spending time with the Run Your First 50K group. And yeah, that's all for today, you guys. Enjoy this beat and I'll see you all soon. Uh-oh.